0: up guys welcome in to today's episode of the OBR film breakdown I'm your host Jake Burns and we have a very important topic to discuss which is uh, pretty pivotal to the roster and especially the running back position we'll get to that in a minute going to continue to cover training camp as best we can from afar this was session number nine making our way toward game week be here before we know it got some guys back big news right David Bell Anthony Walker come off the pup list for the groin they also brought in Chris Odom, the USFL Defensive Player of the Year, a fine player, not uh, something to uh, the label following him around there, there as the Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he's he's fine. There's a reason why he wasn't quite on a roster yet. Steven Weatherly gets put on injured reserve, so his season is done. So they got Schwartz and Bell back. Um, I did not mention Schwartz because he didn't come off the pup list. He was just dealing with that knee. But they did lose Michael Woods. Uh, who's had a nice camp? The rookie out of Oklahoma. He reaggravated a hamstring injury, same one he had an issue with back in the spring. Uh, they said he'll miss some time, so it sounds like a pretty decently severe hamstring issue for him. Offense continues to be rough, right? Um, you know, it's it's not. It, this is listen. It's always this way. Offense is sort of scripted stuff that the defense knows the script they can kind of adjust things to and it's just always a little bit tougher um, in camp and preseason for offenses to find success because there's a lot of gelling that goes on there and it's easier to play reactionary football as it is for a defense anyway because that's more second nature from the sport so to me I'm never surprised to hear an offense is taking a while to gel and that's obviously also going to be a situation that arises when you have so much turnover at quarterback the way they have this year it's going to take some time so I'm not really worried about that uh, Greg Newsom had a nice day I think that's been well documented nice one-on-one coverage route on Jamarcus Bradley continues to be a shining star I think he's going to be a really great player um, really great player you know nickel outside wherever they put him he's going to find success so, otherwise, a couple drops by the tight ends were well-documented as well by many people who were on-site, and especially our OBR group. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones had a touchdown in the back of the end zone during goal-line period. Uh, interception was thrown by uh, Jacoby Brissett on a tip pass. A lot of tip passes today. Javante Moffat ended up picking one off. Running backs, especially Dearness Johnson, as we're going to talk about in this in this upcoming visit with Matt, running routes, they were really effective today. Uh, and they continue to be tough covers, those guys, uh, in space. So uh, Chubb continues to have a nice camp, a lot of breakaway runs, a lot of runs where it looks like if he had to handle himself, he'd be just fine. Nick Harris was back on the field. He had that uh, injury, a poked eye issue a couple of days ago before the off day. Alex Wright left for a little bit, but he came back, uh, came back out. So it wasn't a, wasn't a big deal. We didn't really get an idea of what that injury was. Uh, Browns fly to Jacksonville for Friday's preseason opener. Um, they go on Wednesday afternoon is what I believe after a noon practice, they'll then take off down. So that Friday will be here. We're technically coming up on game week, which is, which is pretty bananas. So they'll go down there, fly, uh, land Thursday, walk through Friday game, and then they'll be back at it on Sunday. They'll take Saturday off film review study and then get back out there on Sunday. So anyway, that's camp. As far as I can tell, videos I see, reports I get from our OBR guys, things I see on social, doing the best I can. We'll not make it up to Berea this year because of our newborn, obviously. Uh, But yeah, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I like to try to give you insights on. Now we're going to switch and talk about Kareem Hunt and all that goes with the Kareem Hunt situation, as we learned from Josina Anderson's coverage, that he is having an issue with his contract. And uh, we'll talk with Matt Waldman about that who from RSP Boiler Room and many other things. Matt does a great job and is always a great opinion on running back. So let's get over to that interview right now.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: Excited to bring Matt Waldman in when, whenever I talk running backs or uh, whatever angle on whatever topic around running backs. I just love Matt's opinion on it. He is the OG Nick Chubb supporter pounding the table before anybody else was. And uh, I, I like to give you that shout out, Matt, because you taught <laughs> you taught that you taught the folks about Nick way back when back when Nick was wearing number 31 for the Browns when he originally uh, was on the was on yeah the special teams, season. Nick Chubb. That's right. That's right. When uh, Hugh Jackson didn't want to play him, Nick Chubb. Um, So listen, Kareem Hunt today comes out and basically makes it known to Justine Anderson that he is a hold in, meaning he's going to do individual drills, but he is not doing team periods. He's basically looking for a new contract. Currently, his contract has him set around the six million dollar range as a part of his extension his total value is at 12 uh, a part of that extension you know obviously Kareem was extended in the midst of being brought in on a very short contract given his personal life situation that that arose uh, from the video and all of that was out there his suspension so the browns gave him an early extension now Kareem having removed himself from that once more and i believe he's at 6 million he wants I mean he's right there around Chase Edmonds is at six million in Miami, Austin Eckler's at six one, two five, Naheem Hines is six two. So the range of like under Joe Mixon, so the average per year goes basically McCaffrey, Kamara, Elliot, L O L, uh, Cook, Henry, Chubb for now, uh, Jones, and then and the Mixon, uh, those guys are all above twelve. And then it dips down to Saquon is is down at seven point seven. Uh, as a part of his rookie deal, the last part of his rookie deal. Then James Conner, Leonard Fournette are in that $7 million range. So I imagine Kareem wants to be somewhere between the middle of those guys. I'm not sure. That's what it seems like. I guess the question for me is, do you, first of all, how much do you value Kareem given Cleveland's situation, Matt? He's 27. um, I think he turns 28 in season. So he is at a crossroads of like, hey, this might be my last chance to cash in. But I'm just curious, if you are a part of the Cleveland Browns decision makers, how much do you value him for for the future? Not what he's done, but for the future of where this is going right now and into 23 and and potentially 24.
2: Yeah, and I think what you just touched on before, uh, kind of as a side point, I think is very important just to consider and as the kind of set the baseline is for – for this conversation, which is that he turned 27 today and he knows because his agent has to be telling him if he hasn't figured this out for himself with conversations with other running backs throughout the league, which is that he, this is his last shot to be a starter somewhere if he, and I think it's really an angling for a trade because Mm -hmm. I think what he's looked at here is we're, you know, Deshaun Watson isn't going to play. So now we're not, we're most likely not in contention, um, the way that we were. Um, and if they were in contention for a Super Bowl, and they, they really thought that, you know, and, you know, Watson might come back mid year or late in the year and they could make a playoff run. He, I'm sure it was fine. Cause then he figured then next year, you know, he'd have an opportunity. But to play on a team where maybe he feels like or his agent feels this way, because I think we all we wouldn't question Kareem Hunt's motivation as a player. I think everyone knows that the guy obviously plays football with a high level of effort. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm sure that his agents thinking, should we get Kareem Hunt beaten up in a year where the Browns realistically don't have a quarterback who's going to take them to a Super Bowl or has a real shot of doing that? And then he's going to turn 28 and a lot of teams are going to feel like unless somebody, unless there's a team that becomes available where a running back starting running back role becomes available due to an injury that um, they can bring him on. Otherwise, he's going to get signed by a team for maybe a one year deal or, or two years and they're going to be having the heir apparent drafted alongside him or, you know, around that time. And he's still going to be in this backup role when he's obviously one of the top 12 to 15 running backs in the league still and skill set. Um, and arguably, you could say he's higher ranked than that. So I think Cleveland, I think Cleveland, do they need him? Um, it would be ideal to have him, but they're in an unfortunate situation because of the moves that they've made that they've, that, you know, with Baker may, you know, with Baker Mayfield, they put, they got themselves in the situation of being in a window of contention, but not having a quarterback. And I know that's, you know, we've gone through that, you know, ad nauseum at this point, but that's one of the effects of this is now you're in the situation where, um, then you went and got a quarterback who can't, the NFL's trying to make it very clear that they don't want him to play um, based on what, you know, based on the events that are, that are happening. So now they're in this situation where they had this window of contention and some of the pieces are saying, well, if we're not going to contend, I'd like to get on with my career, yeah. you know, in a different way. So can, um, can the Browns do this? Absolutely. Because, While the the narrative is that Nick Chubb isn't as good of a receiver as Kareem Hunt, and maybe that's true in terms of route running, Um, I think we've seen that Nick Chubb can catch a football and can be a competent receiver if used more. But we know that Cleveland isn't probably going to say, well, in a down year, we're just going to lean so hard on Nick Chubb that if we, by any chance, get Deshaun Watson back next year, that we've already run him into the ground a little bit more. I mean that that's the risk that they're probably looking at. Ford is a smart signing. So I think that really their their re-signing of or their drafting of Ford and re-signing of Ernest Johnson is is good enough that maybe you're not going to get Kareem Hunt volume out of the two backs. I mean they might surprise um you know as a combination you might be able to get Replace some of Cream Hunt's value, still be able to rest Nick Chubb somewhat so that you keep him fresh and not run him down. And I think you'll be okay. I mean, you you know, you look at Johnson; you know that he's a good receiver. He understands the system and can be um, a good route runner in within the confines of the system, and that he's he's developed into an intelligent runner who can do work between the tackles. Whereas Ford's more that right now at this stage is more the wild card where I think that if he can get acclimate fast enough and play low mistake football, he has the talent to be at least even with Johnson, if not eventually overtake him in terms of ability. Um, yeah. and, and it may not happen this year, but this might be the year to have that proving ground anyway to give him that experience and do it in a manner where you have at least two veterans ahead of him and feed him some of that time especially in situations where if games get you know if the Browns can't maintain their game script that they'd like and the game gets a little bit out of hand um, you know you can roll with Johnson and Ford a little bit put Ford in situations where maybe if if the the browns start to you know are able to get acclimated and they're able to play more competitive games than not at least some of those situations can lead to um you know ford getting enough experience and making you, you know some of the mistakes that he needs to make and get out of a system to to learn from and be ready for a stretch run so i think it's i think it's good i think i think those two backs can handle it obviously Having Hunt is ideal, but I just don't think it's realistic.
0: So it seems they saw some of this coming. I know there were some contract discussions. At least Kareem was public about his desire to stay in Cleveland and hoping a contract could get worked out, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like Cleveland made these decisions drafting Jerome Ford, where they did fourth round, and then bringing back Dearness Johnson. With this one eye on the fact that Kareem's deal was going to be really tricky and he was going to want money and he was going to want it quick, sooner rather than later. He doesn't want to play his final year. Like you said, a guy could play the final year of his contract if he thinks you really have a shot at the Super Bowl. But you notice that this didn't come out until after the Deshaun Watson appeal. Now, we still don't know the result exactly. of what Watson's going to get, but it does feel like it's headed for a severe number here. So, yeah, I mean, the timing is not unironic in that sense. So, the Browns, I would imagine, in their discussions about the future of their running back room, had to to be proactive and and getting some answers behind Kareem, no matter what, because the the worst case scenario here, or I guess the best case scenario, is that he'd have played out this year and then probably let him walk at that point and and uh, take what you can get, comp pick wise, if they don't, you know, if they if they don't sign their own uh, outside free agents, whatever, whatever, you you kind of run that risk. But now it's it's it gets interesting. So I wanted your opinion on those two guys. You gave it. I think it's it's fascinating. I, I mean, two things that I, I want to get your opinion on is, first, with Jacoby Brissett coming in to handle quarterback duties, and, and again, it seems like it's going to, at the bare minimum, 12 games. Uh, then, to me, Matt, is this then a scenario where Cleveland – says we're going to just run the ball a lot we're going to maybe push the ball into the air 20 times and I get some games will dictate that we have to throw it a lot but if we can do everything in our power we're going to run the football a ton and with that approach you probably do need upward of four running backs that can matter because you know is so many ticky tack injuries and and uh you know keeping guys fresh rotating them through that's where I start to think okay if they're going to take that approach to your point about not wanting to put all of the burden on Nick Chubb somebody like Kareem is interesting I do wonder if Cleveland would just call his bluff and say hey you want to take these penalties you want to take the fines you want to take that that's fine and calling his bluff to the point of he's either going to get no money or he's going to show up and play and he's going to get his six million because again, 6 million is not grossly grossly underpaid compared to his peers. It's kind of middle of the road because, you know, I think Kareem understands if, if he can't just sit out this year, I would imagine. So he's trying to play his hand. Cleveland could call his bluff because they know the matter of importance of what their running game is going to mean to any kind of relative competitive play this year. So that's where it gets kind of interesting to me. Cause like, like you said, Kareem won't show up and just be half go like that's not, he's not built that way. He's never been built that way. So if he does show up and he does play, he's going to play all the way. I mean, that's just how he is. So that angle of it fascinates me. But, but to back to my original question, Matt, of, do you think they should be all in on that? Or do you think that they should just kind of keep it the way they had it with Mayfield and let game flow dictate defense react to what defenses are doing and, hope your quarterback can hit some of those uh, schemed up plays.
2: I think that I I think that when you look at this, they probably should it, it's not going to be comfortable, but the idea they're going to try early on in the season to run the ball. I think that's really if they can if they can be a ball carrying juggernaut of an offense. Um I think that's their hope. But you know it's boom or bust at that point because either you are finding ways to take to really exploit and execute well against defenses that their personnel tend to be strongest in nickel and dime and all these yeah. different and quarters, and you can you know basically you can shove the big silver dollar down their throat, you know. Um, but the problem with that is if you get behind early you get taken out of that game script wise and you have no choice. And so it's one of those things that Cleveland's going to try to do it, but if it doesn't work, then it, it's not going to, they're going to have, they're going to be forced to abandon it pretty much every game. And that's the, that's the issue. So I don't think it's whether they decide to, it's whether if they can, I think they're going to try and then it's if they can. And with, and with hunt, I mean, listen, you know, Hunt's in the Melvin Gordon zone, okay? Folks who aren't, you know, aren't familiar with Melvin Gordon's situation before Javante Williams came. You know, he wanted the high-end deal. He considered himself one of the elite running backs in the league, but he's that guy that was just shy of really being an elite running back Um, and also at a time where, as we know, it's just not, you know, the – the lead running back paying the the high amount isn't just going to happen, um, you know, outside of Dallas. And so as a result of that, you know, Hunt, got, you know, Gordon got put in a situation where they were like, you know, whatever, pound sand, man, you know, you can stay with us, um, but we're not going to reward you for that on a level that you're expecting. But you could understand why Gordon... Felt that way. It wasn't in Denver. It was in, it was with the Chargers at that point where chart where he felt like I'm good enough and you could understand why he felt that way. But even when you're doing the analysis, there was enough nuance to look at it and go, God, I feel for you because you're at that age where you're trying to cash in. You've seen it happen when you entered the league, but the league was changing. And now you're that guy who could have gotten that five, seven years ago. And now the league's different and you can't. And you don't understand it. Whereas Hunt, to me, it's unfortunate for him in the sense that he did that. He put this on himself with the off-field behavior. So what ended up happening is, you know, that's the only reason he's in Cleveland. You you know, he would have been, he would have been part of maybe a two-time or three-time championship-winning team in Kansas City if he were a part of that. Um, And he cost himself that. And he cost himself a chance to be what, you you know, when you look at his talent, a potential Hall of of Fame stats compiler throughout his career. Um, And he knows his ability. So, you know, I don't blame him looking at it either way, even if he owns that. And I bet he does. I bet he owns it and goes, this is what my career could have been. But right now he's a warrior, and your warrior mindset, even in your career off the field, is going to be thinking, "I've got to get this shot. I need one more shot just to just to be able to be everything that I could possibly be." And he know, and as much as he you know likes being a Brown, as much as he likes he admires Nick Chubb, and is honest about you know what he who he's working with, you know as a as a peer. He wants his own opportunity and you don't blame him. He's a competitor. So I I just think that for Cleveland, it's it's a hard thing because they I think they can roll with three just fine. I mean, there aren't many teams that have four. (laughs) I mean, there just aren't. I mean, you look at let's look at where Stefanski came from. You know, at one point they they had Mike Boone, who's a good special teams player and a much better receiver and runner than given credit for who's now with Denver. They had Madison who is a very good backup and could be a competent starter in the league. And of course you had a pro bowl player in Dalvin cook. And that was about it. And even now you look at that team, you got Madison cook and I got Kenny Nwangu who is a special team speedster who's still learning how to run zone scheme. Um, you know, and that's, and that's really it. And I, and you know, Certainly, you could say the the San Francisco Forty ers the um, you know the Miami Dolphins have you know a number of backs, but they also have guys. They took chances on guys who who get injured a fair bit. And I think that what you're going to see here is that Cleveland, If I were Cleveland, I would look around and say,
0: "That's going to ask tr- you. What would you yeah. do? Would you keep him or yeah. would you move him?
2: No, I would move him. I would move him. I'd get what I can get because he's not going to be." You know, it's not going to be productive. It's going to be a distraction. Um, you know you got goods. You, you at the end of the day, as a leader, you have to look at this and go, he gave us good work. He put us in position to win. Our quarterback didn't. Some of other components didn't. But Hunt was great. We can't hang on too long. We need to cut our losses. Get something back from him before it's too late because at 28 out on the market, it's going to be different than having him get out this year and you just wait and see who gets cut because you know a back that i really liked who is playing excellent football in the in training camp right now and worked with Dalvin Cook one Trey Sermon can do a little bit of everything and you know ohio state fans are familiar with him enough to know that he was a quality running back so a guy like sermon could be available now that they've got you know multiple players on this, you know, in that backfield, that they might be able to get off the waiver wire, or someone like that, who just, you know, who just was an afterthought on the team because he fell out of favor, and they could probably, and they could use him um, in that manner. And you know, the Browns seem to be okay. They seem they they may run an outside zone, and they may have a Shanahan influence, but they also seem to understand how to value running backs and favor subtlety of skills and not just pure physical skills. And, and I think that Cleveland will be able to find someone and they're at that and realize that they, they, they should get what they can out of hunt. Um, You know, if an injury, they might try and wait until early season to do it. They might showcase hunt early to try and, you know, at some point to try and um, trade him. Um, But I think that, I think that they're going to be working on that between this week and you know the by the end of the first month, and then he'll be gone.
0: Good stuff, Matt. It's especially interesting when you sort of follow along with a, the few ways Cleveland can recreate picks that they let go in the Deshaun Watson trade. It won't be equivalent. You're not going to get a first, second, or third. Highly unlikely. Maybe a contingency angle on a third if somebody's really, really into him. But it's not going to be a high pick. But nonetheless, you try to recreate picks in, in any way you can when you give up a lot of them and hunting would, would be a way, one of the few ways for dealing from positions of strength on the roster that they could do that and still likely be okay. So I wanted to get your opinion on, on all of that. And I think that's sort of the fascinating angle is, is getting something back from him, but then potentially being able to, if they wanted to at the waiver wire before the season, uh, if they do pull the trigger on a trade before the season, pick somebody up and you gave some insight on that too. So great stuff, Matt. Appreciate you, man. We will definitely catch up soon. Uh likely mid season when we figure out where everything is with this team and <laughs> sort through the sort through the madness. We'll catch up with you. But thanks for short notice jumping on with me, man.
2: Always a pleasure, Jake. Take care.
0: Thanks for checking out today's episode, guys. Hopefully you're having a great Sunday, a great weekend. Trying to get a podcast out here on the weekend can sometimes be a bit challenging. Uh, given the family life and all of that stuff as I've returned to work. But uh, we'll try to do that, continue to get one out over the weekend and make this thing seven days a week as we're getting into, you know, most of the time we are seven days a week, but life has hit lately. But we'll get back into that seven-day-a-week schedule as the season is about to kick up and get going, and we'll only have two weeks off. Listen, as they play this week, we'll only really have two weeks off the bye week uh, between the preseason and the regular season starting and then the actual bye week in the middle of the brown season. That's it until January. So it's about to be football crazy nonstop before you know it. So let's enjoy it while it's here, man. It's finally here, game week. So uh, like I said, thanks to Matt for joining the show and taking time on short notice to talk about the running back dynamic. I appreciate his opinion on it. Thanks to you guys for continuing to stop by and check out this show the way you do. Always appreciate that support. We will be back with John Colosimo tomorrow for your Monday episode. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, like I said, have a great Sunday. Enjoy your time with your family and go rounds.
1: This is the story of the one.